BJ Howes Metalland, the coast tradies' choice for tools, steel, gas. Visit bjhowes.com.au. Welcome to Saturdays on the Coast on SEN Track. Good morning, we're back at Shelley Beach Golf Course overlooking the 18th green, also overlooking the tee box on the first, the par five. So, Buttes, we've got a bird's eye view of everyone that tees off this morning. Uh, just looking to my left, uh, looks like a couple of guys off the seniors tour, uh, they're about to tee off. And yeah. I've seen some cracking tee shots this morning. There was a young guy who probably tonked it, maybe about 250, 280. Uh, we've got some hecklers right in front of us. Uh, the Cowboy. Can you, you see, see the, the Cowboy I can in see front of the us? Cowboy. I can see him. Is that who I think it is? It's Jimmy Dolan. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's he's, him, the great Jimmy Dolan. Telling you you don't return phone calls. Uh, mate, don't I know it. Uh, right up until showtime. Maybe, we- maybe he's got my wrong number. Because every time he haunts me, I change my number. Always. How do you hit him, Jimmy? One. What do you say? Too often. Okay. Too often. Let's get cracking. A great show coming up this morning. We'll be talking to Hayden Knowles in just a few moments' time. Also, Matt Horsnell, the coach of Nicola McDermott, will join us. Mm-hmm. Great to see local sport back in business in some way, shape or form. Down at Mingara, about five minutes from here, they're able to have 20 athletes training at a time, and then they'll take a look at the roadmap for competition as that unfolds. Also, Ian Moose-Rebilliard coming up this morning. Uh, uh, Ashley Robson will join us. Yeah, she's back. We've had the sale GP with uh, Tom Slingsby and the Aussies doing a great job. So that's coming up just after 9.30 Aren't this morning. Aren't they amazing, morning. those things? Like the way they just glide over the water. They, the speed at which they go is just phenomenal. Hey, Butes, uh, I, like, uh, I was a little lost last night. No footy. No footy, no AFL, no what do you, sport. What do you do on a Friday night? I've got to say, what I did do last night, I went down and had a couple of beers down at the Crown Plaza, yeah. which was nice. Um, it was nice to get out, and there was plenty of people out and about, which was beautiful to see. Um, I caught up on SAS, because I haven't watched this week. So I know the I know how it all played out, but I watched the... Uh, the third last episode. Today I'll watch the... Penultimate penul- episode. Penultimate, and then I'll see the reunion. But y- yeah. uh, Sammy Burgess, outstanding. Yeah. Uh, Yana Pittman was outstanding. Speaking of venues, uh, we ducked across after NBN News yesterday to Gosford RSL. Oh, yes. And uh, how good is it to be back at a venue? Uh, young lady playing acoustic guitar, a couple of beers with your mates. Mate, it's... It's a little bit of normality. It's yeah. nice to get. It's been a long four months, and to to go back and to be able to experience that, you know, I guess we take those sort of things for granted. And to have that opportunity last night to go down and have a couple of quiet ales doesn't get much better. We've loved SAS, mm. and you just mentioned about Yana Pittman. Mm. Now you're old enough to remember her coming through as a two-time world champion, but. Why was she so divisive? Was it because she was just so driven? And I guess she didn't show a whole lot of her personality. Well, it's funny, you know, I, I don't remember, and I remember on the show that she said, you know, she was referred to as uh, Drama Yana. Yeah. Yana Drama, whatever it was. But I, I don't recall that aspect of her. I do. I do, she, yeah, right. I think she was eaten alive by the media. Yeah, right. And it probably was because... She was so strong-willed and, you know, um, had that drive in her, which was probably, and I think she said it on the show, that, you know, that wasn't, uh, it's not the Australian way to be perceived that way. So, but you know what, she 
certainly stood up and, you know, I think she got a lot of, well, she provided a lot of inspiration for not only females but males and, you know, just admiration what, got what, for her. What a powerhouse. Oh, you you know, those, those type of athletes, they're my heroes. So, Yana, uh, you know, two-time world champion, mm. Olympic finalist, uh, but also... Yeah, a mother of four or maybe... Has she had twins now? I think... I don't know whether she's had them yet. I, I believe that she's pregnant with twins. Like, I just go, that's six babies. Wow. And you know yeah. what? The fact that once she finished her sporting career, she's then gone on to be a, a doctor. Just phenomenal. Like, yeah. She's just a go-getter. Hats off. Uh, on that regard, a little later in the show, we're going to ask you some of your favourite female athletes of all mm. time. In fact, we'll ask Hayden Knowles the same question. Speaking of SAS, I reckon Hayden could coach some of these SAS, SAS athletes, uh, no doubt about it. Hayden uh, joining us live from the Gold Coast. Good morning, mate. And the the holiday continues in southeast Queensland. <laughs> Mate, I'm sitting. I'm sitting in a park in Broadbeach, and I don't know if I should mention your name, Steve, because everybody knows you here. You're like you're like a local celebrity here in Broadbeach. So there's probably a lot of listeners up in their hotels listening to me. I'm waving at them. I'm down here in the park. What do you got, mate? Is Steve it? Allen. Are you just near the statue, the Steve Allen statue at all, or is that <laughs> been taken down? <laughs> What's going on? Are, are you doing a travelling show? Are you like getaway or something? You're like, mate, you're just doing the road uh, show. A little getaway. No, I had seven days on a houseboat in Noosa yes. with the family, and now we've got a couple of days on the Gold Coast and then head home because I have to get my head around uh, work again, which um, which starts for me at the Newcastle Knights in a couple of weeks. So um, I've kind of had to get over the Penrith celebration and... Is that, a scoop? Is that a scoop? You're heading uh, to the Newcastle Knights, mate. I am, and I'm taking a few staff with me that you know, Mick. Uh, taking Craig Catterick with me. Oh, wow. Getting the taking, band back together. Uh, it's like the Blues Brothers. I've got a, I've got a band. There's about four or five people coming. Um, really look forward to it. No, it's not really a scoop or anything, Mick. Um, try to keep it low-key because my total focus was on Penrith Panthers, and then and then clear my head now and then get my head around um, work again in about a week or two's time. Mate, uh, just on that, uh, was that a decision that you made based on, you know, your travel commitments and all those things or you just felt that your time at Penrith, you had done what you uh, had wanted to achieve? Uh, no, Mick, I, um, it's pretty strange how it all happened. I was committed to Penrith for a couple more years and and love the team, love the staff, love everything about it. But as you know, I live on the Central Coast and I've been living in Penrith, actually. I've had a unit in Penrith, so I, I haven't lived properly at home with my family for four years. So um, when the nights offer came, it was quite funny. They're in the, the same hotel complex as us, the Sunshine Coast. So when the nights offer came, um, it was one of those opportunities in life where you almost even though it's hard to leave Penrith, you almost you could not knock it back. And Ivan Cleary was the most understanding person. He was the one who also has young teenagers like me who, uh, who said, you need to go home, mate. You need to go and be a dad and be there for your wife as well. And just you just need to go home. And he was so good. The CEO, Brian Fletcher, was the same. Matt Cameron was the same. And... It all kind of worked out. Everything, everything kind of worked out. And the only thing Ivan said to me was, "We have to go and win this thing now," um, which ended up turning out 
we did and a, a, a great way to leave. But like I said, it's hard to leave because, you know, the yep. connections you get with players and staff is hard to leave. But there are some of those same connections at Newcastle as well. So that's now my job to try to do the same at Newcastle. Hey, Hayden, uh, who are some of the players? I know we spoke before we came on the air this morning and you mentioned a couple of boys, but who are some of the players that you'll miss especially from the Penrith Panthers that you've absolutely loved working with? Oh, mate, where do you start? Every, every single player, but Jerome Luai with his energy every day just makes the place it's buzzing. Like he, he, I call him the CEO. Um, stands for Chief Energy Officer and it's contagious and you've got the ultimate pro like Nathan Cleary who who actually sent me the nicest message last night um, reflecting on a lot of stuff and you've got leaders like James Fisher-Harris who I just love he's, he's my favourite he knows it um, just because how hard he wants to work and then you know then there's other guys that aren't really in the limelight like Scott Sorensen and guys like that that are just a pleasure to work with it's Honestly, you could I could talk for all day. I don't know how long you've got. I could talk all day about them, but now I'm looking forward to the same type of relationships with players at Newcastle. Do you look at the players at Newcastle and you're okay, you know, you can't wait to get your hands on some of those guys. Like, you know, I look at the calibre of talent up there, um, and especially, you know, one that stands out is Caelan Ponga. That must excite you, mate. That is exciting. Oh, and then the, I mean, oh, he's the obvious one that excites anyone in the game. But yep. guys like the uh, Sofiti brothers that um, yes. really looking forward to. I've worked with Daniel quite a bit in the Origin camp, so I'm really looking forward to getting back to him. Um, there's a few players in that team that I've worked with before in different camps. So, But then there's others that I've watched from afar, like young Braley the hooker. I don't, I don't, I've only met yeah. him in a cafe in Sunshine Coast. It's, you just tell straight away he's the type of character you want to work with. Um, yep. So, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. We're talking to Hayden Knowles, the trainer to the stars, but more importantly, the premiership winner with the Penrith Panthers, uh, the guy in the blue shirt. You may have seen him on the front and back pages. <laughs> Mate, you've, everybody the, saw him. Yeah, the, I'm surprised <laughs> he didn't have the Penrith jersey on. He was there that often. Hey, Hayden, we had a great conversation Mate. before we came on the air, and it's about the... Uh, talent identification. So can you elaborate for us on how you take some players from maybe a junior level to New South Wales Cup and then they explode on the scene at NRL level? How do you how do you take them through that transformation? Yeah, you know what? I'm pretty privileged. When you're at NRL level, they, come, they often come to you, in particular at clubs like Penrith, they come to you pretty ready. Um... Then you do get some young guys that you need to teach some, a lot of stuff to, you know, go from being an elite junior to an NRL player. But when when I spoke to you off air, I, I thought it was worth mentioning that some of the best players I work with, they just they played multiple sports as kids. Um, a lot of, I mean, Nathan Cleary is a great example. He didn't play his first game of rugby league till he was 12 years old. He was playing soccer. And, and mixing up other things like track and field. and Actually, track and field is an absolute beauty for nearly every good player I play with. They've done that as a kid as well. Um, but, you know, you look at Stephen Crichton, you look at some of the things he did, even in those final series games. I mean, that intercept, uh, he also did an intercept against Parramatta that, that saved us the game pretty much. Mm. Um, you know, he scored that try against Melbourne that... Um, 
you know, won us the game. He scored that intercept. Like he he played sports like basketball and AFL, and you know they're all multi sports. So probably the best advice I can give to parents is just let your kids play. Just just play multi sports and. They'll find their way in and amongst all that. Hopefully they surround themselves with people that instill some good work ethics into them and good team team first type morals. But multi-sports, I have found, is the key to, the, to all the players I work with. They, they all have a really wide background in different sports. Yeah. Mate, just on that, and I think about what you say about, you know, the background in the sports, but, you know, bringing these young kids in to the NRL level and you know obviously you said most of them are physically ready and I remember when I first made my debut I physically it probably took me four seasons to physically match you know the NRL guys just because it was part time I was an 18 year old there was wasn't a lot of work done in terms of junior development back then these kids are physically ready the big thing is now is and I guess the hardest thing not only for a trainer and also the coach is that mental preparation and how to get them mentally strong to be resilient to hang in there when it gets tough what's the key to that H yeah you're right about the physical I mean now there's there's 18 year olds training the 17 16 year olds in systems that are training more than you did when you were part time so yes so they are bigger physically I mean look at Look at a guy like Spencer Lanou at Penrith or mm. or even a young kid named Isaac, Isaac Tago that debuted. Um, he only played one or two games, but when you saw him turn up, he was physically ready. He, there's young guys that are almost strongest in the club these days. But yeah. then with experience and with, you know, you ha- they actually just have to go through things to deal with all the mental stuff you talk about there, Mick. Um, including for our guys losing the grand final the year before, there was... There was mental lessons that were learned by everyone, including the number seven. You know, there was, there was lessons learned about being able to stay present uh, under pressure, um, stay calm, really compete nice and calm while being intense at the same time. Like, those are all lessons they they eventually learn. Yep. Uh, yeah, and surrounding them with people, experienced guys, and putting them in challenging situations, you know, like... I haven't even watched that SAS show I heard you guys talking about. I haven't watched that yet, but we do little things like that. You know, most teams do different pre-season camps that have that flavour to it to teach them that type of stuff. Yeah. Hey, uh, Hayden, can you stay with us for one more break live from the Gold Coast this morning? We want to come back and talk about Wayne Bennett to Redcliffe on a $2 million deal, the new team in the National Rugby League. James Maloney, his final game last week, playing for Catalans in the English Super League Grand Final, an absolute thriller against St. Helens, and also the late, great Norm Proven, who we lost this week. We'll come back in just a moment. It's Saturdays on the Coast on SEN. BJ Howes Metalland, the coast tradies' choice for tools, steel, gas. Visit bjhowes.com.au. This is Saturdays on the Coast on SEN Track. Yeah, good morning. I hope you're enjoying the weekend so far. Beautiful start. Very windy at uh, Shelley Beach Golf Course overlooking the 18th. Uh, you know, for the first time in, uh, well, how long? Uh, four months. Mm. The doors will swing open here this morning. Uh, we just heard Jimmy say, Jimmy Dolan, 
uh, radio legend yeah. said he's coming back to enjoy the Everest here later on today. Big race today, the Everest, the richest race in the world. Fantastic. And, yeah, it's made, you know what, it's awesome that people can get out and about. There's going to have there's spectators that are allowed at the uh, Randwick today, the Melbourne Cup. They're talking about 10,000 people being able to go to that. It's, you know, obviously it's just a, a fraction of what we're used to, the 100,000 people, but ultimately to have people to be able to go along and attend these events and, you know, go to the local bowling club or, or leagues club or the local pub and watch these events. It's fantastic. Yeah, and Buttes, whatever roadmap we seem to have, it sounds like it's been tossed out the window and uh, we're trying to get back to normal ASAP. Hey, the uh, text line is 0477 736 736. Open line number 1300 If you're old enough to remember Norm Proven playing, maybe you're a St George fan and you're listening this morning, 1,342-1533. We'd love you to share some stories with us if you mm. get the chance or even just text us. Maybe you're a, a fan of the Big Red V who won 11 straight and Norm was part of 10 of those teams, which is absolutely incredible. Let's go back to the Gold Coast right now. Hayden Knowles is there, one of the world's best trainers. Hayden, I know you've watched with interest Wayne Bennett, the uh, master coach... On his way to Redcliffe, he, he marched in there yesterday to do a deal. <laughs> so good, wasn't it? I saw it on the news last night. He walked in in his shorts and joggers, and when anyone else goes for a $2 million job interview with a suit and tie, he's the king. He's the king. Uh, and you know what? He'll do such a good job. He will attract He'll attract the best players. He'll attract the best staff. He'll attract the best sponsors. Like it, It'll be huge. I think it's fantastic. You know what? It's an absolute no-brainer for the Dolphins to secure. There's only one other coach who I think you could match having Wayne Bennett, and that would be Craig Bellamy, right? In terms of their status, their ability, and what they've achieved in the game. But I think what Wayne Bennett brings up there in Queensland, he is a god up there. And, you know, yeah, you're right, yeah. he's going to attract the players. And, you know, what the Dolphins need to start strong. They need some success. And the only way you're going to get that is by having someone like Wayne Bennett at the helm who can bring the calibre of player that you need to build a club around. Now, what that looks like for the Dolphins, time will tell. But one thing I do know is he's not going to leave any stone unturned and they've got themselves right where they need to be. Yeah, and you know, you know, Nick, the culture of the place that he'll set, the standards up there, the the style they'll play, like that'll last forever. Like they're signing him on a two or three year deal. That, uh, if I was his manager, I'd be asking for four million. Like it's actually what he'll put in place will be there for for a long time. So it's worth yeah. they'll get their value out of two million. You're actually yeah. right. Like two million dollars for Wayne Bennett for three years is actually really cheap, right? I know he's it at is. the back end of his career and everything like that, but. When you think about, and let's look at the Broncos, right, and what he did there for such a long period of time. He hasn't been there for, what, 10 years, 12 years now? It's only now that they are losing that Broncos-Bennett influence, if that makes sense. And, and, you know, Kevin Walters is trying to bring that back. You want the numbers? Yeah, give me 92, the numbers. 92, 93, 97, 98, <laughs> 2000 and 2006. Hey, H, uh, I just want to ask you about Redcliffe. Now, I did hear they're going to play at Suncorp Stadium. Mm. I, I understand that. But after watching a lot of the English Premier League, I do wonder whether they should play some of their games at, their, at Dolphin Oval at Redcliffe and pack that place out. 
Uh, I mean, how do you think it'll go, them going to Suncorp? Yeah, well, like we just said, the Wayne Bennett factor might make it that big that they're going to they're going to end up packing Suncorp. Who knows? But uh, we played a game at Redcliffe during this uh, COVID season, you could call it, and it was fantastic. The people were great. It was packed. Um, beautiful surface. Great facilities. So surely they have to play some games there. I haven't been across that though, too. Uh, a couple of couple of final questions for you, mate, because I know you're uh, you're kicking back on the Gold Coast family holiday. Uh, James James Maloney, uh, what a stellar career! Two time premiership winner in the NRL, 2016 with Cronulla, 2013 with the Sydney Roosters. Went to a grand final, I believe, as well with the Warriors, and then mm. a losing grand final with Catalans in an absolute thriller on the weekend. They led for most of the second half against St Helens. What are your thoughts on working with Jimmy Maloney? over the years and I actually had Jimmy Maloney as a kid when he's come from the central coast he he uh, came to Parramatta Hill as a young kid so I've I've known him back then and then I also spent some time with him at the Roosters where by that stage in his career he was well established and and a real winner you know he had a lot of success and then and then I had some great times with him in in origin camp before um, reuniting at Penrith with him so I've actually, I didn't get to see the game, but I was, I was really, really like cheering for him. I, and so were the whole Penrith club. Like we, we just wish he could have gone out with that premiership. And I had great reports from uh, Steve McNamara, the coach, who was only messaging me the the week before, wishing the Panthers good luck. Um, Steve Mack reckons Jimmy's been awesome for him over there, and mate, he deserves to go on a a year or two's holiday in Europe before come back and get a statue on the Central Coast. He's, he's yeah. a Central Coast king, James Maloney. Well, what impresses me about James Maloney is the impact that he has had at every club that he's been at, right? There's not one person that, has, uh, that would say a bad thing about him. Um, he's just that larrikin. Uh, he obviously is offers so much on the field, um, but it's probably more about what he offers off the field that brings and gels that combination and that connection on the field. And, and you know what? It's just a, a, a real positive to see a player like that go out the way he did. And unfortunately, you know, it wasn't with a premiership. But I, I even saw the post-match interviews and things like that where, you know what, he was so revered over there. Yes. And he only had, what, two seasons over there. But he obviously made such an impact. And now he's going to play a little bit of local footy in France. Like, that's going to be so... So massive for French Rugby League, for hit, for a play of his calibre and his stature in the game, to just play local footy. Like, it's just, again, just him giving a bit more and, and going over and beyond and, and all those things. He's obviously just one of those guys, H, that, you know, he just fits into any team. doesn't matter where it is or what it is. He just fits in. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned the the larrikin side because only so many can pull that off me. Like, yes. Uh, you know, like if everyone was like that in your team, you, oh, it'd be a nightmare. Um, but but he pulls it off so well. Um, but one of his attributes, you mentioned mental toughness before. Uh, I'd seen it in different arenas, but the Origin Arena, there's a game in Melbourne where he threw an intercept pass and uh, Queensland scored. Uh, this was Origin 1 in Melbourne in uh, 2018, I think, if I'm right. Mm. Uh, behind the try line, it was almost like it didn't happen. He had this ability to just forget it and move on. And he would tell the team, right, I just breathe, 
stay calm, right? That's gone. What's our next job? And it was a real ability of his to make a mistake and just forget it. And I, I think that's, I think that's a real sign of. I mean, there's so many ways you can judge mental toughness, but that was one—the ability to just stay in the moment. Um, and you can't ignore the fact that he just—he had a lot of wins. You know, you can't ignore it. Nah, that's it. That's the reality of it. You know, he's just an out-and-out winner. Yeah, absolutely. H, I've got one more question for you before we wrap this up. Uh, did you have anything to do with Norm Proven in all your years in rugby league? Uh, I've got a treasured photo that I put up yesterday on the SEN Facebook page and also on Instagram, and it's after the 2016 Grand Final where I was able to meet Norm Proven post-match, and, you know, what an absolute legend. You know, if you're talking statues, uh, an immortal of our game who passed this week. Mate, I, I saw that post you did, Stephen. I I can't say I have, but I did reflect, and everyone, as they do, you know, like, what a legend. You do pay your own little respect in certain ways. And I did reflect. One, one of the big influences in my life is Rod Reddy, another great drag. Um, he's been a massive influence in me and coaching and footy and life. And uh, he had a lot of influences in him from guys like Harry Bath back then, who obviously had a lot of influence from Norm Proven. So I kind of, I feel that there'd be a lot of stuff that I now believe in and um, and do day to day, which I've said comes through Rod Reddy to me. But there's a lot of that dragon influence there, which is kind of filtered across the league, and it all comes from him, I believe. I wish I'd met him. I had a beer with Arthur Summons once. That was a highlight. There. Mm. Um, but no, nah, never known forever, mate. I wish I'd met him. Yeah, I, I wish I could call my dad. Uh, you know, he's uh, he's in the heavens at the moment, but he would tell me all about. He told me about the great players, and you know, he loved Arthur Summons as well. He was a Western Suburbs fan, so that photo from 1963 oh. is just timeless, isn't it? Uh, yeah, H, we've got to leave yeah. it there, my friend. We're off to the news, but uh, view to myself. We're giving oh, you a well done, mate. standing Good. ovation. Uh, enjoy the Gold Coast, and we'll catch up when you're back on the Central Coast. Thanks, guys. Great chat. Great chat. I wish I could listen to Nicola McDermott's coach because she's one of my favourite female athletes at the moment. Um, yeah. I know you've got him on, so record it for me. Yeah, you, actually, we'll take a rain check on that because Hayden's going to give us his top five female athletes of all time. We might do that in the coming weeks. Mm. We're off to the news. We'll come back soon and talk some sailing uh, with Ashley Robson, who will be joining us. And also, a little later in the show, as Hayden just said, Matt Horsnell, live from training session with his athletes at Mingara. This is Saturdays on the Coast on SEN. All thanks to BJ Howes Meadowland. The Coast Tradies' Choice for tools, steel, gas, you name it. 40 years in the business. Visit bjhouse.com.au. BJ Howes Meadowland, the Coast Tradies' Choice for tools, steel, gas. Visit bjhouse.com.au. This is Saturdays on the Coast on SEN Track. Good morning. Welcome to the weekend. Hope you're enjoying it so far. Beautiful day. Uh, very windy. Blow the dog off a chain, that's for sure. We're overlooking the 18th at Shelley Beach Golf Course and a uh, bird's eye view of the first tee as well. The beautiful par five here at yeah. Shelley Beach. And uh, Buttes, have a look who's just arrived from NBN TV. We'll throw her on the oh, mic in a moment. Why not? Lara why not? Coffey, yes. Uh, who's covered some great stories this week. Right now, though... Let's talk some sailing. Uh, we're going to welcome back to the show Ashley Robson. Good morning. Good morning. 
Hey, good morning, Ash. Uh, we've had some great results this week in the Sale GP, including Central Coast legend and Olympic gold medalist Tom Slingsby. Yeah, absolutely. He's currently ranked first in a Sale GP series at the moment. Um, he's leading by 45 points, but not too far behind him is US team, um, and they're on 44 points. And we've got our other local from Lake Macquarie, Nathan Outreach. He's uh, competing for Team Japan, and he's also one point behind. I noticed, Ash, there's been some real mixed results with the Sale GP. So Bermuda, a great finish for the Australians, not so good in Italy. Can you tell us more about that? And then they bounce back, of course, in Great Britain. Yeah, I have to say, Australia hasn't been super consistent in the series at the moment. Like you said, um, Bermuda, they came away with a second overall, which was really fantastic. Um, then in event two in Italy, they didn't have a very great series, ending up with an eighth, a sixth, an eighth and fifth. Um, so that left them in eighth place over Italy. But I don't know, the team just seems to always bounce back even after similar results. You know, the next event, they come back first and, yeah, they manage to just kind of keep it in there. And uh, Ash, have you got any intel on the Japanese crew? Because they're winners in Italy and they're kind of super consistent through this series. Also in Denmark, they run second. They have a win in France as well. So the Japanese, I'm not sure who's in their crew. You might have some more information. Yeah, I think, um, I don't know a whole lot about the crew, but Nathan Outreach, who is one of our Lake Macquarie locals, he's actually the steerer of the boat. Um, him and Tom Simpson are quite good friends and competed a lot when they were younger. But yeah, he's a fantastic sailor and they seem to be the most consistent going through each of their events, which is really nice. Ash, interestingly enough, we've got strong winds here today, but there were strong winds throughout the Spain <laughs> event where the Spain Sail GP uh, team, they uh, capsized their boat. It was uh, I saw the footage. It was uh, quite interesting the way that thing and obviously caused some serious damage. Yeah, they can be pretty messy. I mean, you're looking at these massive boats and they're super high-powered. Um, but yes, our, uh, the Spain GP team, um, unfortunately, about an hour and a half before the first race on day two, yeah, had their capsized and damaged their boat to the point where they weren't able to compete for the final day. Um, they did, did leave them seventh overall, but it'd be pretty gutting considering it was their home turf. So, Ash, these, um, what do you call them, sailboats, what are they, catamarans? Yeah, they're technically known as an F50 catamaran. F50 um, catamaran. Like, yeah. These are the, yeah. they're, so they're, they, like the form, they're the Formula One of uh, sailing, is that right? I think that would be the best way to put them, absolutely. Super high-powered, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and the speeds um, I mean, are they go up to, up to 90 kilometres an hour or so. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, um, I think the, the fastest they hit is about 52 knots. Um, which is, yeah, just over 90 kilometres per hour. But, I mean, they've been developed over the last 10 years and focusing mainly on this high-performance foiling type of sailing. Um, and they've just created these amazing boats with cutting-edge technology. They're just absolutely massive if you see them in real life. And, Ash, if you could be on the boat anywhere, what position do you feel like you'd love to be? And I, I think I know what the answer is going to be, and I reckon Butte's could also do this role because it's a position on the boat where we've seen Kai Hurst, the uh, legendary yeah. Olympian and surf life saver. Yeah, absolutely. So as probably no surprise that the grinders are definitely the favourite of me. Um, 
they are probably the most physical position on board the F-50. I mean, basically without the grinder, the F-50 wouldn't foil, the flight controller wouldn't be able to control and their helmsman wouldn't be able to steer. Um, I guess the best way to imagine that is riding a bike, but purely just with your arms. Um, most of the boats have two grinders, depending on you know the weather and the amount of wind. But yeah, on the boat, it takes an incredible amount of energy to get them around the race and a lot more to even outlast their competitors. What sort of efforts are they doing on these grinders, uh, Ash? You know, like, is it like, you know, is it a 20-second effort, you know, repetitious? Is it 30, 40-second, 50-second efforts? What sort of time frames are they, you know, pumping yeah, out these well, guys and, and how consistent is it? Yeah, I guess if you imagine them on the race course, they're pretty much spending the whole time in the race at their max heart rate. Um, the grinders are really important because they are consistently grinding, but they're also interpreting the level of energy that the boat needs to move. Um, and it takes a lot of skill to be able to anticipate the time and anticipate the next move so that you're not working against the team. I'll tell you, that is incredible. Fancy doing it the whole time at max heart yeah. rate. Yeah, so, yeah. You know, you're talking, yeah. th- these people, they're probably around 200 plus max heart rate. That's, that's amazing. Oh, what happens absolutely. next, Ash, moving forward? Um, so coming forward in the event, we actually have the next Star GP being held here in Australia in Sydney Harbour. So that's going to be over the 17th and 18th of December, which I don't know if you guys can get there to have a watch, but if we can, I'll definitely be there. It's going to be an incredible race. Hey, you know what? I move emotion. We we take the show on the road. We're on the road. Why not? Let's go down there and, you know, we're down by the harbour there and... And you know how we like to nurture talent. I think this is Ashley Robson's chance to catapult onto the world stage as a commentator and analyst. Well, why not? She's, got all the, she's provided all the stats here. She knows, she's in depth, a thorough knowledge of what's going on here. Certainly better than I us, mean, that's for sure. I mean, it's hard not to do when you look at these boats. They're just fantastic. And I'd be so excited to see them in real life. They're incredible. Yeah, I tell you, our people will talk to their people, and Ash, I reckon we'll have a front row seat, and you're going to be commentating at this event. I'm all I guess, I think it's a great idea. <laughs> I, I guess the beauty of this, like, you've got these Formula One, you know, catamarans on Sydney Harbour. Does it get much better than that? No, uh, that's right. Hey, Ash, uh, just so. one final question. You're, a, uh, you're also a healthcare hero. Uh, yeah. You tonight, we... Uh, hats off to you and your entire team and I hope you've got through this period well uh, thank you so much for joining us and we'll do it all again soon beautiful thanks guys thanks for having me Ashley Robson with the uh, sailing update and love hearing about a couple of sailors so you know not just Tom Slingsby who wins gold he's a five-time world champion in the lasers what a stellar career he's had and then just up the road yes are a couple of other sailors like Nathan Outeridge and Ian Jensen uh, on Lake Macquarie that are also superstars so Darren Bundock and, grew, you know, grew and up sailing here and they're doing it all on the world sky uh, world uh, scene which is just phenomenal like uh, it's amazing how good our athletes are here on the Central Coast. We'll take a quick break here. We do it all thanks to BJ Howes Meadowland, the coast tradies' choice for tools, steel, gas. Just check out their website for all the details. DIY as well. They'll help you. Visit bjhowes.com.au. And also, Robson Civil Projects, the great news is they've opened a new, a new office in Dubbo, which covers... Oh, yeah covers 12 local government areas, uh, roads, rail, infrastructure, <laughs> you name it, Robson Civil Projects are the team. This is Saturdays on the Coast on SEN.
BJ Howes Meadowland, the coast tradies' choice for tools, skill, gas. Visit bjhowes.com.au. This is Saturdays on the Coast on SEN Track. Gorgeous day. Gale Force winds, though, at Shelley Beach Golf Course. Steve Allen, Michael Butner, Lara Coffey from NBN News has just joined us overlooking the 18th. Great to see you, Lara. Good morning. Good morning, guys. How are you? Yeah, well, it might help if I turn your mic on. Let's start that again. And uh, you've covered some great stories this week, including the UFC. Yes, Jamie Malarkey, he's a, a fighter from Gosford here. And um, this was his fourth fight with the UFC and his second win with the UFC. So it was really, really exciting. But he... He went in and he did look strong the entire time, but he was up against Californian uh, fighter Devontae Smith, who did look stronger in round one, but as Jamie Malarkey does best, he knocked him out in round two. Yeah, I, you know what, I remember training with Jamie probably some 10 years ago, and he always had this attitude about him that he was going to make it. Like, he was a tough kid, he trained really hard, and... It seemed like nothing was ever going to stop him. And you know what? It's great to see him succeeding. And I think, Larry, you are talking about the fact that he had a four-fight contract. That's now expired, and now he's hoping to pick up. And obviously, that win is going to certainly help his chances of picking up another UFC contract. This win was very important for him mm. to, yeah, pick up another contract. And to my knowledge, it hasn't been confirmed yet, but I think it's only a matter of time. And I think it's likely to be confirmed that he will get another another contract, which is really exciting for Jamie. So, apart from just reporting on him, uh, he was a few years ahead of you at school? He was a couple of grades above me at Erina High School. So, yeah, I've known of him for a while and finally I'm getting to properly know him and being able to interview him. It's, yeah, it's really fun. He's, he's done a superb job and this is yeah. a brutal sport. You said that early in the fight you felt like he was on the back foot? Yeah, Devontae Smith just looked... He, he, was, he was fast. He had these quick hits really and Jamie Malarkey had said um, earlier this week that he wasn't expecting to get hit and kicked as much as he did by Devontae Smith so I think it was a little bit of a shock to Jamie's system but he just when he came back in when Jamie came back in in round two he did just he looked fitter and I think that's what it came down to at the end. You, you know you think about this is again another Central Coast athlete who's on the world stage competing and you know UFC is probably you know, for the last five, ten years has been probably the quickest, fastest growing sport. And for him to be, uh, you know, competing at that level, gee, it's exciting for the young kid to... And, and you know, I guess the world's his oyster if he can, you know, go on and, and, you know, secure another couple of fights or four fights and have success there. Who knows where it could take him. Have you studied his style? Like, what's his background, Butes? Well, he, he, I, I know when I was training, he, he started out boxing. And then he started to get into the... Uh, I think he was always looking to go down that path of the UFC. So he started working on the jiu-jitsu, the wrestling, uh, and the grappling and all those things, which is so important uh, in uh, the UFC uh, fighting. And, yeah, it just amazed me that he's... Well, it doesn't amaze me, actually, because, you know, I saw the kid and I just knew how hard he trained and the effort that he put in. And it's great to see him having the success he has. Lara, I just... Again, I, I think it's so important for him and to, you know, to take that next step. And um, where's it? Where could it lead for him? Well, fighting isn't really my my thing. <laughs> sorry, Lara. Sorry, I didn't know I, where I was going I, with this. I just wondered if there was a question. Um, no, that was coming. It was coming. It was coming. It was coming. Look, I just think for now he just wants another contract, and I think it can only be bigger and better from here, really. 
Yeah, Lara, one of your stories tonight is going to be on the great Jai Opatia. Now, mm. can't wait to see this story. So we caught up with him about a month ago with NBN TV, and it looks like he's going to get the long-awaited world title shot against Myris Breeders. Uh, what new information have you got? Um, it's my story for tonight, so I really shouldn't say it all too much. But I'm sure oh, that's a good idea. Able, Keep it. You might be able to say a little bit more on this one, yeah. Steve. Well, you know, I think he was really dudded. Uh, Hayden Knowles, who came on the show earlier this morning, had a lot to do with, with Jai when he was the youngest ever Olympian mm. in London. Actually, Hayden tells a story where Jai lost the fight controversially. Hayden said he walked out of the boxing in London and never went back after that moment. He just thought, that'll do me. Yep. So Jai, he's been through having his hand, like he's like the bionic man now. So he missed about nine months due to hand surgery. So this is long awaited. He deserves to be, but, like, he deserves this shot, put around, it that way. We spoke to him, what, it probably would have been eight, ten years ago, him and his dad come in. Uh, to the studio. Yeah, he's a superstar. Yeah, he certainly is. And again, another Central Coast kid. He's going to chance at a world title fight. That is massive. Yeah. What about the other stories you've done this week? Adaptive surfing. Yeah, so we all know the world champion, Matt Formston. He was here on the Central Coast. He's now moved up to Lennox Head. Um, he was telling me, like, they, he, he's been selected for the world championships again in December over in California. And he was telling me that there's been one surfer that has beaten him since 2016 and it, th that surfer just happens to be Woi Woi's Jack Jackson so mm. Jack Jackson is a 19 year old um, yeah from Woi Woi and I think he's up and coming he's going to be great okay I'm going to ask probably a really stupid question <laughs> I know what is going. adaptive surfing adaptive surfing so para surfing so both Matt Formston and Jack Jackson are visually impaired gotcha yeah, yeah. Oh, I thought it was going to be something about Jack Jackson yeah yeah so they they, they're visually impaired, right? No, no, it's not. A, no, I, I didn't know what adaptive surfing was. So they get out there. And it's just about feeling the wave, I yes. guess. Well, pretty much. They've got a spotter with them. Yeah. When I was talking to Matt Formston, he was kind of saying he'd prefer to be out in the surf because it's a softer fall other than, I guess, running around and hitting your shins. So I'd never really thought of it like that because, to me, surfing sounds so scary. Yeah, great answer. Uh, in the past, he's had, a, like, a caddy. So there's a guy from the Central Coast who's now based in Queensland, yep. Samba Man, who is a great surfer himself. Samba would be out there and he'd tell Matt what he's seeing and then it's all over to Matt. So he goes, right, mate, start paddling now. Yeah, yeah here it comes. Yeah. Here yeah. comes a big kahuna. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. and... <laughs> And when Matt does surf on the Central Coast, a lot of people will say he's a bit like a kamikaze be because... <laughs> oh, he is, well, he can't see. <laughs> people don't realise he's only got 5% yeah. peripheral vision. So what he does is remarkable. Uh, we're starting to run out of time here, but uh, you've also done a story on Lauren Smith, who's won numerous premierships in cricket. Yes, she has, and she's going for another one. So she's going to be playing for Sydney Thunder. Tonight is their first game mm. um, against the Adelaide Strikers, and... Yeah, that starts at 7.05, I think it is, tonight. So that's really exciting. She, she's a uh, minor junior, and her, her siblings still play here on the Central Coast. Yeah, what else can you tell us about her story? So it's a big switch to go from the Sixers to the Thunder, Thunder yes. and, and to win premierships at both. And she's a spinner, um, and she's had a fabulous career. Yeah, she's an off-spin bowler. Um, she took a wicket in the grand final last year with Thunder, but she did. She started with the Sixers, so to move to another Sydney team is, is huge. But she's already won the Premiership last year with them, and she's hoping to go back-to-back. WBBL is going to be big. Hey, by the way, Lara, uh, how nice is it for you 
and 25 words or less here, but to actually be talking about sport and not doing yet another COVID story that we've had to do on the coast. Yeah, it, it is really nice. I, I guess it, we, we haven't been able to escape it in 15 weeks and to, yeah, to be talking about something really nice and to be talking about Central Coast athletes, it, it's... It's refreshing. <laughs> hey, uh, thanks for dropping by. Great to see you. Look forward to seeing your story on Jai Opatire, the superstar mm. tonight on NBN News. Lara Coffey. Thanks well, so much, guys. Well done. We're off to the news. We'll come back soon with Adam Kwasnick to talk about the Socceroos. And Matt Horsnell, track and field, is back on the Central Coast. This is Saturdays on the Coast on SEN. BJ Howes Metalland, the Coast tradies' choice for tools, steel, gas. Visit bjhowes.com.au. Welcome to Saturdays on the Coast on SEN Track. Morning, we're at Shelley Beach Golf Course and we're in danger of being blown towards North Entrance. It is howling here at the moment. Hey, uh, Lara Coffey has stayed with us from MBN News and uh, Lara, we know you love the races. Uh, the Everest this weekend, uh, you're, you're going to have a bit each way. And don't forget, gamble responsibly. But uh, home affairs with Glenn Boss in the saddle. I just can never write off Glenn Boss. So, I, yeah, like, like we spoke about before, the, the jockey of Maccabi Diva. And, yeah, you, you, can't, you can't write him off. What about you, Butes? Who do you like this weekend? <laughs> uh, well, you were just saying to me a moment ago about uh, classic legend. Yeah, I think he won it last year. And, again, look, I just happened to put the TV on last week. And... I think I heard them saying that Classic Legend has only had one start since winning uh, the Everest last year. So I'm not sure he's got uh, the miles under his legs, but, you know, he wouldn't be going into this race. It's the richest race in the world. So he yeah. wouldn't be going into this race underdone. So, um, look, he might be a chance. I wouldn't have a clue. To be yeah. honest, I've got absolutely no idea when it comes to races. Kieran McAvoy <laughs> in the saddle. So what you're saying, do you spin you around, put a blindfold on and point you towards the uh, the Darfur? Yep, correct. That hey. would probably be as good as it gets. And, Lara, you actually think, in your expert opinion, the uh, Chris Waller uh, train nature, nature strip? Yeah, I like both of, of Waller's horses. And w one of those was the one we were speaking about before, Home Affairs. But the other one is the favourite, which is nature strip. And... Yeah, a $3.70 favourite. I, I don't know. I, I would get on. Lara, one golden rule is you never lose money back in winners. And it doesn't matter what it pays, you still make money. And you only ever speak of your winnings too. Correct. So then I, you're always winning. I tell you, you are outstanding at this. Uh, and don't forget, as the day unfolds, SEM will have the best coverage of any network. So uh, How good. It's, well, you know, and how good is it that, uh, you know, punters are able to go as well? I think they've yeah. increased the numbers. Yep, and it's great to see. Like, you know, people, uh, you know, we've reached that 70% milestone and uh, we're there and they've opened up uh, some of those freedoms that we were hoping they would. And, uh, you know, one of those is being able to go to the races. So those lucky 10, 5, 10,000 people that get the chance to go to Randwick today, good luck to them. Hey, there's a real roughy too. It's uh, the Gay Waterhouse Mount, which is a late inclusion. Mm. I just noticed uh, Embracer. And it's at $71. So if you're looking for some real value. <laughs> <laughs> actually, on Sportsbet, it's actually down as 81. So Oi. it's actually well, there <laughs> increasing. You go. So, so blowing out. Hey, Lara, great to see you. We need to move on. Uh, and uh, again, we can't wait to see your story on Jai Alpataya. Olympic boxer, world title shot against Myris Breedis. Uh, probably early next year. And looks like it'll be outdoors mm. in, in Queensland, maybe at Suncorp Stadium. Good to see you. Thanks, guys. Hey, uh, let's go to uh, 
one of the Mariners legends. In fact, number two all-time behind Matty Simon in terms of games played and goal-scoring superstar, Adam Kwasnick. Good morning, mate. Good morning, guys. How are you going? Yeah, we're well. Quas, have you recovered two weeks you've had in <laughs> to get over the grand mate, final? Mate, I've still got the biggest smile on my face. I'm still wearing the hat, the jersey. <laughs> the mate, it was an it was an outstanding performance from the Panthers, they, uh, and certainly deserved it. I guess you would have been uh, most proud of the fact that, you know, their last three games, they just showed guts, determination, resilience, um, a, a ferocity in their defence and their uh, line speed, which was, you know, second to none. Yeah, incredible, Butes. I think uh, you've got to give credit credits due to all the coaching staff and, and more importantly the players you know those three games would have been taxing on on anyone's body and they just kept turning up uh we said you know before the final uh the adrenaline being through and i think that was very evident they they were you know for all money they were gone at periods of that game um but they just kept showing up their line speed was unbelievable and uh, i'm just so happy that they've you know brought the title back to penrith yeah, and uh, what are your thoughts about the team's going to be broken up now? So Matt Burton goes to the Bulldogs, Brent Naden also leaves. Uh, we heard this morning Hayden Knowles, he was one of our first guests, the uh, trainer at Penrith Panthers, is now off to the Newcastle Knights. So with any premiership winning team, yep. can you replicate that success in following years? Yeah, look, I think it's one of the hardest things in sport to go back to back. Um, you know, the question that I have for Penrith and their board and, you know, is the salary cap where it's at at the moment within that squad, is it strong enough to, to sort of keep, still, keep the likes of kick out? Um, obviously, losing Matt Burton frees up a little bit of money. But, you know, we saw in 2003 after they won the premiership, that squad got dismantled within, I think, about three or four years. Um, you know, you, you don't want to see that as a fan or as a member. Uh, hopefully, they can keep them all together. But... You know, all those players now, they demand the top dollar. Um, it's just a matter of, you know, the coach and, and his coaching staff managing that salary for the best of ability. Hopefully he can keep the majority of that squad together. Yeah, it'll be an interesting uh, little project for them. Uh, obviously, they've built uh, this squad up. Uh, over the years, and now they're at the point with you know the junior players. It'd be interesting to see whether they're able to keep them. And obviously, as Steve said earlier, with any uh, premiership success, it always the next challenge is trying to keep these players. And uh, I think they've got the foundation of a very strong club, and these players uh, really enjoy playing with each other. Moving on to soccer, a soccer quiz, and a bit of an international break for players. But the Aussies, uh, who on the back of 11 straight wins in the uh, World Cup qualifier. Unfortunately, went down 2-1 to Japan with a, an own goal, which was a, a little bit of a shame. They would have been uh, the one point would have been handy for the boys. Yeah, most definitely. Um, I thought, you know, the, the performance was a little bit flat. Um, you know, it's a it's a tough place to go, Japan. I don't think the Socceroos have won there in 11 years. Mm. Um, you know, it's a fair fair bit of time to not go and get um, a win over there. They've had a couple of draws, but. Yeah, getting back to it, I thought they were a little bit flat. Um, not the, the same defensive mindset as what Graham Arnold's teams usually have. I thought the Japanese were able to, you know, break break the Aussies down quite comfortably at times. You know, you, you look at the stats, the Japanese were able to get inside the box 10 times for, for a shot on goal. Um, mm. You know, that doesn't 
happened up against Graham Arnold's team. So that was a little bit concerning. Look, in saying that, there was enough for them to take something out of the game. It was unfortunate about the own goal. You know, dig down, I think Graham Arnold would be disappointed, but, you know, they get a chance to bounce back up against Saudi Arabia in about a month's time. So looking forward to that one, and hopefully it's on, on home soil. Yeah, well, Graham Arnold, post-match, you would have seen, he pleaded to the government to enable us to come and play these qualifiers back at home in New South Wales. Quaz, you would have noticed on social media so much debate from football fans about the midfield with Moy and Rogic playing alongside each other. I want to get your thoughts there. And also, of course, there was a barrage of criticism about Aziz Bayic in the left fullback position, you know, you really feel for some of the players. Like, it's not like he meant to... I mean, he was involved in the first goal being scored and then a bit of a calamity with the second goal. So your thoughts on the midfield, first of all, and then also on Aziz Bayic? Yeah, look, for me, I think, you know, Graham, Graham Arnold's uh, hand was somewhat forced. Um, obviously, Aaron Moy hasn't had much football uh, in China. Uh, they've sort of stopped their league at this point in time. So he was somewhat forced to start him due to his, his playing squad and, and maybe he had an inkling that, you know, it could work for 60, 70 minutes against Japan. You know, it didn't really work out. Um, saying that Aaron Moy is more suited in a central defensive midfield role. He was more in an attacking role and I don't think, you know, he was he was up to it. I would have loved to see Hristich further up the path and that sort of happened at the back end of the game when they were chasing the result. Um, you know, both players are very, very creative, um, as is Tommy Rogic. But, you know, it, everyone has their off games. As for Beige, you know, it's an off game. Um, you know, you just sweep it under the carpet and hopefully move on. He'll definitely learn from it, as will Graham Arnold and their coaching staff. And, uh, you know, I don't think they'll make the second mistake again uh, for the return leg. Yeah, just for any of our listeners, if you missed the Australian goal from the set piece, it was an absolute screamer. And from that moment on, I thought the Socceroos would go on and at least get a point out of this game. So uh, I feel like they made a few mistakes trying to play out from the back. You'd look at the highlights of Matty Ryan and you'd say he had an absolute blinder. But Quaz, some of those were self-inflicted by trying to play out from the back. Yeah, no, de- no doubt, uh, Steve-O, that, you know, they, they had a lot of possession, or they had more possession than the, the Japanese. Um, unfortunately, majority of that possession in their own half. They played something like 250 passes, you know, in their own half. Uh, in the second half, that changed a little bit. They started to go a little bit more direct. They had a little bit more success. Uh, that being said, you know, look, the game plan just didn't work um, on that occasion. Uh, no doubt, I'll go, go back and look at the video. I don't think Graham Arnold and his coaching staff will make the same mistake again. Uh, Quaz, I believe there was a game this just recently, the Nations Cup, I think, France versus Spain. Is that correct? Yeah, Spain leading 2-0 and uh, France end up coming back. Big performance from the French. Yeah, sure. What was I think uh, Killian was uh, doubt over one goals for a a bit of a, an offside ball, but it, it was deemed to be offside, uh, onside. Uh, it was back into the game, and that, that saw the French uh, take out take out the tournament. And, um, you know, the, their goalkeeper Hugo Lloris had a had a massive game, and you know, he came out afterwards and said, "Doesn't matter what type of 
our trophy it is. You know, teams always want to win silverware at the highest level, and uh, mm-hmm. Frenchway able to overcome a one-nil deficit, and they turned it into a lead at the end, and they came away with, I think, the first trophy, the UEFA Nations League trophy. So fair play to the French, and uh, no doubt they'll be a big threat uh, from the World Cup next year. Hey, uh, by the way, Butes, uh, Quasim myself uh, with SEM will be calling the uh, Mariners matches this year and also Newcastle Jets matches uh, in 2021-22 for SEN. So really looking wow. forward to that. Uh, Quas, the EPL back in business this weekend. What games are you looking forward to? I know myself, it's uh, Brentford up against Chelsea. Uh, I don't think I'll see it live tomorrow morning at 3.30am. Yeah, there's a few great games coming up. Um, Steve-O, the first one obviously kicks off tonight. Watford v Liverpool. That'll be an interesting game. Um, obviously, off the international break, it'll be interesting to see how many players, you know, back up for Liverpool. They've got so many players on international duty. Um, you know, Leeds, Southampton, there's four teams that still haven't got a result. We still haven't won yet in the Premier League. So, few of those teams need to really get a wriggle on um, in order to stay away from that relegation zone or get out of that rele- relegation zone. Um, really looking forward to Newcastle, Tottenham. Obviously, Newcastle, new ownership. Um, I think they're going to be a big force moving forward, uh, but they really got to get out of this rut that they're currently in. And great news, mate, with the A-League that's uh, been locked in. We spoke to uh, Monty last week, the head coach, and uh, he's all raring to go. The signing of Storm Roo is going to be a, a big coup for the, uh, the Mariners. Yeah, no doubt. I think they're, you know, they're slowly progressing, the Central Coast Mariners, and uh, spoke to a few players during the week, and, you know, there's positive signs ahead of the season. Uh, they've played the, the Stiffs a fair few times, and I think they play their first competitive trial uh, next week against the Western Sydney Wanderers. So that will be a good indication to see exactly where they're at from a football sense and obviously a physical sense as well. Uh, Nick Montgomery, his first major job in charge, um, you know, interested to see how he goes, the style of play that his, his squad's going to produce. Um, let's hope, you know, we can get, you know, as many fans to the games as possible. Uh, Steve-O mentioned me and him calling the games. I'm looking forward to that, as well as calling a few Newcastle games as well. So can't wait for the season to start, um, and hopefully the Mariners can replicate uh, the season that they just had. Mm. Hey, uh, by the way, just before Quaz, before we wrap it up, the group standing. So Saudi Arabia undefeated, four from four on 12 points. Uh, the Australians still in second on nine. Oman are in third on goal difference alongside Japan. Both of those teams on six points in this group. So two wins apiece. So the Australians still with some breathing space, but a massive, massive game coming up next, Quaz. Yeah, and as you mentioned, Steve, you know, Graham Arnold pleading for the government to get that as a home game. It's so crucial that Australia plays those games or their home games on Australian soil. It makes a huge difference. Obviously, mm. Saudi Arabia, well, they won 3-2 against China um, in the last, you know, match day. They're, they're on fire at the moment. They're yet to lose, only conceding three goals. Um, you know, it's going to be a tough contest, and hopefully we can get it on Australian soil, and hopefully Australia and get back on terms with Saudi Arabia in terms of points um, and set themselves up for the rest of this uh, qualifying period for Qatar next year. Yeah, well done, Quaz. Great, great to have you on the show, mate, and we'll catch up soon. Take care, guys.
Adam Kwasnick, Mariners legend. I, I tell you, if that is a forerunner for the kind of form he'll be in when we call the Mariners and Jets matches. Uh, I'm, I'm here to say that he's in career best form. Well, I, I agree. Right? Career best form without a shadow of it. And maybe it's on the back of what the Panthers have done I, two weeks ago. I, I agree. I think he's found his mojo since... Yeah. Because sometimes, you know, he sounds down in the dumps. He's got some spring in his step. <laughs> oh, mate, he's got a premiership. Why wouldn't he be happy? He's going through a purple patch. Yes, he is. This is Saturdays on the Coast, all thanks to Robson Civil Projects, a business that was formed in the 50s and 60s here on the New South Wales Central Coast. Now they employ hundreds right around New South Wales. And Dubbo now. Yep, brand new office in Dubbo. Mm-hmm. That covers 12 local government areas, so well done to the Robson team spreading their tentacles around New South Wales. And also Steve Dawson and the award-winning team at BJ Howes Meadowland, the Coast Tradies' Choice for tools, steel, gas. Uh, They're the DIY experts. Yes, they are. And I can't wait to do the live outside broadcast there in well, a cu- couple of weeks' time. We're meant to be there today, but looks like they're holding back because they've got something big planned. Yeah. Are we talking Carnivale? <laughs> well, I hope uh, so. <laughs> <laughs> BJ House Meadowland. Check them out online, bjhouse.com.au. This is Saturdays on the Coast on SEN. BJ House Meadowland, the Coast Tradies' choice for tools, steel, gas. Visit bjhouse.com.au. This is Saturdays on the Coast on SEN Track. Yeah, we're live from Shelley Beach Golf Course. Welcome to the weekend. Hope you're having a great one, whatever you're up to. Quick shout-out, Buttes. Yes. Someone's listening from Palm Beach on the Gold Coast. Mum? Absolute star. Ah, how good. The head of the family. The, uh, the matriarch. Yeah, good morning to beautiful Mandy Allen, who's listening. Celebrated her 80th birthday just recently at the Chugan Bowls Club, right near the Coolangatta Airport. And shame you couldn't get up there, unfortunately. Yeah, devastating. I'm but, sure you'll get up there at Christmas at some stage. But they, they beam our family in live via satellite. Oh, is yeah. that right? And, uh, Fantastic. There were people fighting for the microphone to say a few words. I find that hard to believe, especially when it comes to your family. My, my younger brother went rogue on the mic. Oh, did he? Okay. <laughs> and I, I did see the little piece you put together for your mum. Yes. Um, yeah, which was fantastic. She would have loved that. Few, yeah. few tears, I'd the, imagine. The least we could do. So good morning to uh, beautiful Mandy Allen on the Gold Coast. Hey, uh, joining us right now, track and field is back. Mm. The, coach, the coach of Nicola McDermott, one of Australia's best coaches, and now an Olympic medal-winning coach, Matt Horsnell. Good morning, mate. Hey, Steve. How are you going, mate? How's it yeah. going? Shelly Beach yeah. is beautiful this morning. Yeah, it is. Although, as you'd know from doing a training session at Spoon Bay, it is blowing a gale. How's it been uh, to be back at the track this week? And who's been involved in your sessions? Yeah, I had the uh, pretty well the most of the group back this morning, so it was uh, it was great. Nick had a first beat second, so after four months being away, it was just these back nice and slowly. And uh, Katie Gunn and the guys, Tyler comes came down for a bit of a bit of a jump around on the sand as well. So it was actually quite nice early this morning because we started at about seven thirty, so the breeze wasn't hadn't picked up then. So it was uh, we had the best part, I think. Hey, Matt, your phone just broke up momentarily. Did you just say that Nicola McDermott is back and did her first session this morning? Yeah, did a, did a nice little beat session, so she was pretty happy and moving really well, so it was great. Hey, uh, did, 
did people recognise Nicola at Spoon Bay this morning? And uh, is she getting like an instant standing ovation from locals on the Central Coast? Yeah, they just... Uh, what she likes is everyone to treat her like normal, you know. She doesn't want to have... And the people that have come out say, oh, great, we've seen you. And, you know, treats her 100% like she's just... Like she's... Uh, it's, it's just normal, you know. And she, she doesn't like the attention too much, if you, like, if you know what I mean. She just likes everyone just to treat her like it's toasty down the beach. And uh, it was one of the things she's uh, that's come out, you know, when people do recognise her. It was really interesting, mm. you know. So well, I guess she that's has the had a few uh, of those, you know, a few of that, and but she likes to have a chat, and says hello, and everything. But uh, it's like business is normal now, you know. She doesn't want to get swept away with the with the moment or anything. She's like, I'm gonna dig in, train hard, and keep working. You know, that's her mentality, which is really good. I guess that's a humble nature, and uh, it's probably what makes her such a. I guess her personality so attractive to people in terms of you know why they become so engaged and, and absolutely adored what Nicola did throughout that Olympics campaign and uh, leading up to the Olympics and obviously post-Olympics. Matt, how was it for the young kids that you're training there to have Nicola I would imagine you know it's absolutely brilliant for these young kids to have an Olympic medalist alongside them and you know they've been training with her before but she's suddenly gone to another level uh and what i do think it's great for her that she has maintained what she's doing to show these kids that it doesn't matter what level you get to there's still plenty of hard work to do to keep striving to go further and further yeah that's that's a great point and that's uh it's a, that's one of the big things with Nicola and, and our group we're lucky like even the younger kids we've been helping them probably for a good four years you know they're mm-hmm. uh, 17 18 and we've probably started them about 12 and they've been a part of Nick's journey as well even though they're so young and they've seen that and they've seen how she's been just a good a really good athlete and progress through that so it definitely gives them a lot of motivation think hang on a sec I, I could do this as well if I do the right things stay injury free and just progress especially through those years of 17 through the 20 the body can change a lot and yep. athletes struggle with that and they get through that and I've seen where they they kick in with strength and power and um, but it just takes time to do that and uh, sometimes in Australia I think we put too much pressure on our younger kids to be up there straight away so when they see Nicola like that and progress after she's 21 onwards, you know, they, I think that's great motivation for all of them. It's great. Hey, Matt, not sure if we've had the chance to ask you this question, but in Zurich, the final of the Diamond League, Nicola was in scintillating form and she had a crack at two metres and five. And I spoke to her recently yeah. and I said that must have been a real light bulb moment of what's possible in the future because it looked like she cleared 205 and then she's only four centimetres off a world record. What, what was your analysis of that performance in Zurich? And do you agree it was a light bulb moment? Yeah, it's, um, with the preps she does, it really has worked out that she can build up to a peak in that. So it, it's a, lucky with all of... She, she actually peaked four times in the year, which is almost unheard of with athletes. They find that very hard to do. They can get a big peak 
and then it can take a, a, a while to get that back again. But she jumped, you know, two metres four times, and that that Zurich comp was probably right at the very peak where I friends of mine from Switzerland were there, and they were sending me videos, and um, they were asking me, can, can you tell, we can pass on information? And I'm just looking at her jumping then, and it's like, she's looking great. This is the best I've ever seen her, and she's going to jump 205 today, so... It was, it's definitely, if her prep is right, builds up, she builds up power, does a little strength block power, and then deloads for that period, she she can almost, like, uh, prepare herself at will now to, to be at a peak, which is one of the light bulb moments, I think, for her that allows her to achieve that, you know, rather than she's found in the past where she just can't be jumping all the time week in with week out where she just drops off after that period or if she doesn't get enough deload off of strength box say or going straight into it off heavy work she just doesn't come out of that very well so i think the big thing for her is knowing exactly what brings her up to a peak is and that's for all athletes if they if you can work that out and how the body reacts with that you know you're you're miles ahead and Mm. And the preparation that we're going to do over the next um, years is all going to be based around achieving that, um, but more so. Hey, Matt, you may have heard we've got uh, BJ Howe's Meadowland on board, and in a couple of weeks' time we're doing our show live from BJ Howe's. Uh, I'm just thinking yeah. out loud here. What if we get the high jump mats down uh, at BJ Howe's? Yeah. What if we get some <laughs> of your up-and-coming jumpers, like maybe like a horse racing, like Maiden, like, it could be their maiden yeah. event, going, <laughs> going over the high jump. But then maybe, maybe we start pumping the music and we get an absolute superstar. What, you're thinking back in black? Or I'm just I'm thund- getting a hand clap together. Thunderstruck? Because I'm actually thinking myself. Give I, us a come on. I'm Come on! I'm like putting <laughs> my tights on yeah, and look, the spikes. Look to the heavens. Right, and I might start jumping myself. Well, what do you think, Matt? Yeah. I don't know. A couple of weeks from now might be logic- logistically a bit difficult, isn't it? When you one oh, of the big things on, we wanted a nice track surface, but I don't know. We can. Uh, Always, uh, Nicola can uh, come in at one meter forty-five. <laughs> yeah, one meter. Yeah, slowly work her way to one sixty. <laughs> we could have a backover competition, maybe. <laughs> yeah, look, our our people will talk to your people. We'll see if we can make this happen. Uh, Maddie, uh, just finally, massive year in twenty twenty-two. There's uh, obviously world championships, and uh, Birmingham is on the radar as well. Yeah, with the Com Games and the. It was interesting they brought out the quality. We've got, we've got 68 athletes who can... They've got a quota system for Commonwealth Games. So, And they brought out some pretty tough qualifying uh, standards, which are up at an Olympic level. But I think the way they're selecting athletes, they're going to fill the quota of 68 athletes. But if you do a automatic qualify, which is equivalent to an Olympic standard you're automatically qualified which is Nicola has already and some other athletes but they're they're then going to work back through the a quota system based on I think uh, Commonwealth rankings at the time so it'll be a uh, be an interesting time how they're going to select the team for Commonwealth Games world champs is pretty well standard how they normally do it where you've got to do a qualifier but Com Games is going to be a little bit different this year I think so yeah well, Matty, uh, thanks again for joining us. Always great to chat to you and uh, look forward to catching up soon. 
Thanks, mate. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Matt Horsnell, one of Australia's best coaches mm. and now an Olympic medalist. Matty, coaching uh, Nicola McDermott in Tokyo in the high jump. We'll uh, take a break here, go to the news. We're back with Ian Moose Rebilliard. We'll talk some Central Coast Academy of Sport, but also some Aussies are smashing it in pre-season in the NBA. This is Saturdays on the Coast on SEN. BJ Howes Metalland, the coast tradies' choice for tools, steel, gas. Visit bjhowes.com.au. This is Saturdays on the Coast on SEN Track. Yes, indeed. Saturdays on the Coast here on SEN Track Central Coast 801. It's nice to have your company. We'll go back to Shelley Bridge Golf Course in just a moment. And there's plenty still to discuss. Ian Moose Rebilliard will join the program here on SEN. Plenty of great guests as well. The Catch-Up podcast will be available uh, via the SEN app, so you can tune in at the um, end of the program to catch uh, all the interviews and, of course, the uh, the full show uh, as well. And we thank BJ Howes Midland for their sponsorship of the program. Let's go back now to the boys, Steve Allen and uh, Michael Butner out at Chili Beach Golf Club. Hey, beautiful job, mate. Hey, he's got rope. Well done. How he, good's that? He's hijacked the show. He's done a great job, though. Yeah. Hey, well done. Well yeah. done, Stapler. Yeah, you know what? He's got those smooth tones. Mm-hmm. Maybe uh, he could be the new Velvet Fog. Velvet Fog, Fog look out. Is hey, there another one? Ian Moose Rebilly coming up soon. Butes, uh, Jess Grimwood not with us today, who has been a real revelation this year. Um Australian surfer, of course. She represented Australia in Peru and uh, finished fourth in the world. And nowadays commentator, Mm -hmm. podcaster. Third wheel. Doing a course with the AIS. Only 17 young women in Australia have got this opportunity. It's the AIS Athlete Accelerate Program. Mm. And uh, Jess has got a couple of other commitments this weekend, but she was going to talk about some of the great female athletes. Mm-hmm. You've started compiling a little list there. Well, I've got my top three Australian af- Australian female athletes. And I'm going to start with number three. And she's currently still playing. She represented both... Well, she represented Australia in two sports, one being uh, soccer, the Matildas, and the second one, cricket. And she's still competing at the highest level. In fact, probably regarded, I would suggest, as the best uh, cricket player in the world at the moment, uh, both with the bat and ball, and that is Elise Perry. What do you think about that one? Oh, I love it. You like it? Absolutely love it. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's what Hayden Knowles spoke about earlier, about playing multiple, multiple sports. sports. And yeah. that's where some of our great athletes come from. Correct. And, you know, ultimately she had to make that choice. But uh, she did get the opportunity to represent both, uh, both sports uh, for her country, which is just phenomenal. And, you know, she's a great player, absolute Dad, great player. Do you know, we could just start rattling off names and keep going for the rest of the show for, for the next 20 minutes or so. Uh, you know, if we're talking about Jess Grimwood being a surfer, yep. what, what about Lane Beachley? Oh, who paved, seven times. Paved the way and then Steph Gilmore Steph followed Gilmore. in those footsteps. Correct. Followed by Tyler Wright. Well, my number two spot goes to Kathy Freeman. Number two. Number two. Number two. Who will ever forget? People won't forget where they were that night when she won the 400 metres at the Sydney Olympics. Magnificent. 
Not only did she do that, she did it after lighting the torch and it malfunctioning. <laughs> and she just stood there. In classic, but, <laughs> classic Aussie style. Correct. But, you know, that was the race that actually stopped the nation. How have you got this at number two? And, and well, let's not forget her rivalry with Marie-José Perec. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. The reason I've put her at number two is because my number one Australian female athlete. Uh, uh, let me have a guess. Did she was she embroiled in some kind of controversy in Tokyo in 1964? She certainly was. <laughs> she certainly was a bit of a larrikin, uh, and she's one of only four swimmers to have won the same Olympic individual event three times. And in her case, it was the 100 metres freestyle. And that is our Dawn Fraser. Yeah. Gold medal, 1956, Melbourne, in the 100 metre freestyle. She also picked up the gold in the 4 by 100 metre freestyle uh, relay. 1916, Rome, she picks up the 100 metre freestyle. Gold again. And then 64, three-peat. Yeah. 1964, 100 metre freestyle. She's also picked up four <laughs> silver medals. At various uh, Olympics, just amazing. But you're, you're doing this off the top of your head, off aren't the you? top of my head, like it just come to me. But it's just amazing <laughs> the fact that she has managed, and that's why I've put her as my number one. And, and you know, she's a great friend of the show. I, I move emotion. We get Dawn Fraser oh. on the show in the coming weeks. Okay, well, I think we should do that. We should try and get her on because she is an absolute legend, icon, um, and. You know, I, I don't think anything else needs to be said. She is numero uno. You know, the guy coming on next, Ian Moose-Rebilliard, if we were to name some of the great oh. female basketballers, Michelle Timms. Michelle Timms, yep. First name that comes into the conversation? Definitely. I couldn't even... Uh, Lauren Jackson? Lauren Jackson? Uh, well, let's go Brett, to Moose. Brakey? Was there a Brakey? Nicole Brakey? We'll go to Moose. We'll go to Moose after this break and get his appraisal of some of the great female basketball players. This is Saturdays on the Coast on SEN. Thanks to Robson Civil Projects and BJ House. BJ House Meadowland, the coast tradies' choice for tools, steel, gas. Visit bjhouse.com.au. This is Saturdays on the Coast on SEN Track. Yeah, thanks again to the team at BJ Howes. I like my idea of the high jump mats oh. at, at BJ Howes in a couple of weeks. Well, I agree, mate, because we're, we're not sure whether the Brazilian dancers are going to be out of quarantine by the time, <laughs> you know, the two weeks is up. So we've got to have an alternative, and I think that's a great alternative. Hey, Butte, stand by. Stand by. We're overlooking the first uh, tee-off box. This guy, he looks like Long John Daly. The... He's got a howling breeze behind him. He could hit this about 350. He's Stand by. He's about to have a warm-up swing. Look at him. Oh, he looks good. I like that technique. Yeah, I think he needs a couple more practice good, swings. Good, good. Hip They're movement there. His hip movement's good. Yeah, yeah nice. Goes. Nice work. Here he goes. Come on, mate. Come on, mate. There we go. Grip it and rip it. While we're live and on the air. Grip it and rip it. Let's go. I want to hear the gallery go berserk. I've seen some standing ovations for some of these tee shots as we await this guy to tee off. Yeah, he stepped up. Here we go, Butch. Talk Finally. us through it. Well, he's approached the ball. So uh, put the club face behind the ball, as you do. Here he goes. He's about to swing. Takes it back. 
comes through oh, and he yes. tonks it. Absolutely yeah. tonks it. And with, the, with this breeze, that could be a... Uh, and a little fist bump. Yeah, with this breeze, that could be maybe a little pitching wedge onto the green. He'll be on for two. Yeah. Let's go Let's go live to a basketball legend right now, Ian Moose Rebilliard. Good morning, mate. Hey, Steve. How are you? <laughs> We're well. I'm not sure if you heard our conversation about some of the greatest female athletes of all time. Would you like to chip in, Moose, with some of the greatest female basketball players that you've seen in your time? Well, I think, you know, uh, I think you mentioned Michelle Timms, but obviously Lauren Jackson's got to be <laughs> got to be up there. Obviously, Kathy Freeman um, is, is uh, on the podium, no doubt. But uh, we have a, a wealth of uh, you know, great female Australian athletes, and uh, you've, you've probably touched on a couple, um, which is interesting. Uh, yeah, it, it, we have a lot. We have <laughs> a lot. Put, yeah, you're right unfortunate. And you know what, Moose? The thing about it is, and I think probably we're going to have even a greater discussion in around this, probably in about fifteen or twenty years' time. When, you know, we start to see, you know, women's sport be around for, you know, 30 or 40 years or, you know, being more competitive or, yeah, well, you know, the AFL. We, we saw another young lady put her hand up, Emma McKeon. Yeah, correct. At the Tokyo Olympic so Games. We'll start to see, you know, performances from the AFLW. We'll see the, the NRLW. You'll see, the, you know, the soccer players come to their fore, more cricketers. Like, we'll just see so many more sports. Ali Brigginshaw. Correct, it'll just keep growing and growing. And so, you know, I think this discussion in 20 years' time, wow, it's going to be a, a pretty busy podium, I dare say. Well, it is. And and we're blessed in Australia, I think, with, with some of, you know, really some of the world's best, uh, you know. And I think we're, we're blessed in, in Australia to have so many, you know, top-notch uh, Australian female Athletes, so yeah, we are very, very fortunate. Yeah, and one of those days, the conversation might also include Nicola McDermott, mm, of uh, course, in, in years to come. Hey, uh, Moose, uh, where are we at? We've spoken to numerous sports in the last week, uh, both on SEN and also on MBN TV, about the pathway back. What about the Central Coast Academy of Sport? Well, you know, we're we're fortunate. With the the academy, uh, we've we've had some you know top notch athletes, really uh, very very recently, um, and you, you mentioned Nicola McDermott, um, what a what a champion she is, and and uh, the uh, performances in Tokyo, you know, I, I think really uh, very very. Oh, well, top-notch, um, and we we're fortunate to be able to watch that and uh, be, be a part of and Nicola's really, really um, top-level top performance. And, uh, yeah, kind of we all, we all sat back and, and took a bit of pride in, in that performance. But, uh, yeah, many, many to follow. How, Moose, how many, uh, how's it looking in terms of the athletes and the academy, you know, coming out of COVID, uh, can we get straight back into the community sports and uh, what sort of restrictions are in place at the moment? Yeah, well, it's it's a difficult one because, um, you know, as as we come out of uh, lockdown, obviously, the the question around 
um, performance uh, in in sport and the ability to, to try and get back into community sport is not easy. Um, but we, you know, we're we're um, in a in a uh, position on the central coast where you know the uh, vaccination rates and those types of things are, are, are very important. So yeah, it's uh, it, it won't be the same. But look, it's uh, one of those. Um, uh, what's the right right term? I'm a little bit lost here, Steve. Um, in, in terms of Australian sport, but yeah, yeah, we Bruce, some... I know, I know you do want to talk this morning about uh, Josh Giddy. So, one of my highlights of the year is the Aussies winning a bronze in Tokyo in the men's basketball, and we spoke a lot about the NBA and some of the players who might emerge. Now, Josh Giddy, you might have played against his dad back in the day. He's a he's a Melbourne boy, and he's at OKC, Oklahoma City, in the NBA. Well, Giddy, you know, uh, his dad, Warwick Giddy, I, I did play against, obviously he played um, for uh, the um, Melbourne um, team and he's made some real real good inroads himself. Um, probably not to the level that his, his son did, but I guess Josh Giddy... Um, in you know, I guess putting a position forward, um, yeah, it's, it's just really watching him play for Oklahoma in the uh, NBA. Getting a, I think he was uh, sixth out of the uh, draft, and getting a start with uh, OKC to get his career underway is is really quite exciting. And uh, you know, you watched him play in the uh, NBL. Under, um, uh, I'm t- trying to think. Uh, down in in, um, in, uh, in Steve, Melbourne. I'm a, I'm a, yeah, yeah, that's, a, that's in, okay, in mate. Melbourne. We might wrap it up there on this uh, Saturday morning with the great Ian Moose Rebilliard. Such a pleasure to have you on the show as always, my friend. And look forward to catching up soon. Ian Rebilliard, OAM basketball legend, legend. joining us. Butes. Um, Let's uh, finish the show this morning talking about Norm Proven. Good, excellent. I'm glad we're going to do that because, you know, we touched on it earlier when Hayden Knowles, we spoke to Hayden Knowles, and I think about what he offered to the game, and I think I wrote a message to you yesterday about the fact that he was a warrior on the field but a champion off the field. Yeah, and we've got some audio. I think Adam can roll it in back at headquarters where Norm spoke about Arthur Summons. always a, uh, a stout enemy uh, on the field, off the field, we were, we were good friends. Uh, and after that game, um, well, the captains usually swapped swap jumpers and I stripped off my jumper uh, to give to Arthur and Arthur didn't want to, he wanted to keep his. So that's how that, that photograph shows me with no jumper on and just my shoulder pads and Arthur still got his on uh, and that's when um, Mr O'Grady took the photograph and he's been he's been there all the time uh, at any of those functions he, he never he's never ever once said anything uh, about losing you know 
has been a great companion. Yeah, how beautiful is that? Yeah, you know, you know, one thing I'm really glad about um, is that Norm Proven got the opportunity, well, was given the immortal, uh, immortal status before he passed away because he certainly deserves it. Like, he's got a record that won't be beaten, Steve. It won't be beaten. Ten premierships, no one is going to get near that. Yeah, 256 games for St. George from 51 to 65. Let's not forget he was a captain coach. Captain coach in five of those well, premierships. And pretty much a teetotaler as well. Just a legend of our game. Oh, sad had, loss for the game. I had the pleasure to meet him in 2016 after the Cronulla Premiership win. So on behalf of the entire team at SEN, and in particular Saturdays on the coast, Norman Douglas Somerville Proven. Rest, Rest in peace. And we salute you, my friend.